the most important things when they're dying. And I just want to look at the first one that he said. You just heard it there. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That's an interesting way to say that. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that where uh, you don't know what you're doing? Uh, A few months ago, I found myself in a very uh, awkward situation like that where I didn't know what I was doing. And I guess it didn't dawn on me until then uh, how how much uh, most of us like to be in control or at least know what we're doing. Uh, Our uh, high school ministry was doing a camping trip, and uh, so I was going to go along with them. And uh, I had to be back here for service on Sunday. It was uh, Friday, Saturday. And so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll spend the night Saturday, but there's so many important things happening here Sunday, I've got to get back here. So I'll just, no problem, I'll go with you. I'll get up early that morning. Uh, I'll drive in real early, shower, and still have time for service. That's what I was thinking would happen. So uh, as as we're driving out these long, gravel, dusty roads in the Talladega Forest, it's a lot further down the road than I thought it would be. And I wasn't sure I could find my way back out in my car by myself. I thought, well, it's not that big a deal. So we park in the car. I was told it was just a mile from the car, just one mile from the car to the campsite. So I I walk, you know, every week, two or three miles. I mean, I could walk a mile in, you know, surely 15 minutes, not a big deal. I'll just walk back out. Now, I'm not like a camper or hiker, and I don't have a lot of experience in the woods or anything like that. So I wasn't factoring in all the other variables that could go wrong. So we start hiking and walking and walking and walking and walking and walking and walking and the sun's going down and we're walking and just before sundown we get to the campsite and all of a sudden I'm starting to do the math and I realize that, you know, I'm going to have to get up so early in the morning that when I walk out it'll be dark. I didn't factor walking, walking a mile is one thing. Walking a mile in the woods is another thing. Walking a mile in the woods in the dark is a whole other thing. I didn't factor that. And come to find out, it wasn't a mile. You know, some people are very loose with math. It was 1.8 tenths of a mile. Let me translate that for you. Two miles. Two miles. So I, I, I'm, I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know. And I start talking to some of the guys, and I'm telling them, hey, they go, oh, I didn't know you were coming. I'm glad you're here. Good. Hey, tomorrow. I said, well, tomorrow i got to go back. What, what time are you going to leave? And I realize it's before sunup now. They said, oh, do you have a headlamp? And I go, is it like a coal miner's light? I mean, I don't know even what you're talking about. Headlamp? No, i got a flashlight. They said, you can't walk out with a flashlight. you got to have something on your head. So I said, no, I didn't, I didn't think of that. And then I, then I started thinking, that I'm retracing my steps. The leaves were so thick, I couldn't hardly tell where the trail was. There were 60 to 80 foot cliffs, drop-offs right by the trail. I walked that in the dark, by the way, on the way back. So I'm thinking, I don't know what to do, so I get somebody's a hatchet, and I, I chop down a stick. I think, at least I have a stick. I can feed something a stick if things get too bad. So I get a stick, right? I guess you need a stick. You're in the woods, you need a stick. So I got a stick. I didn't know what I was doing. So I got a stick, I slide it in my tent with me, I'm laying there all night. Oh, that was such a great night of sleep too. You can't imagine how relaxed I was laying there just thinking. And then I set my alarm, the alarm goes off. Thank goodness my phone battery lasted that long. Uh, the, 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 The alarm goes off, I wake up, 
And I think, well, here's my you know, journey out. 1.8 tenths of a mile. So I roll my sleeping bag up. You know, I'm trying not to wake up. Jeremy's in the tent with me there, and I'm trying not to wake him up. So it takes me a half hour to roll the sleeping bag up. Fortunately, one of the straps broke on it, so I had to rig a stick through the loop to even get the thing to hang on my back. So I get the sleeping bag sort of half cattywampus on my back. And I scared, I, I didn't know anything about, I didn't have a hiking backpack, I had a school backpack. So I rigged it up on the back of that with my flashlight and my stick, you know, just in case something important happens. And so I, this is, I unzip that tent, and when I stick my head out, the thickest fog I've ever seen in my life has set in on that campsite. And I look out and I go, <laughs> no, and literally I thought, they're going to have to work it out without me. I'm not coming. I'm done. I'm staying here. I'm not leaving. I'm not going out in this creepy fog. It was like a horror movie fog. I'm not coming out in the horror movie fog. And I stick my head out, and I think, all right. But, I, but, I, but my phone wouldn't even work. I couldn't even call anybody and tell them they'd think I was dead. They'd have the rescue squad out. i got to go back. So I stick my head out of that tent. I step out on the ground. i got everything sort of saddled up on me best I can. And I, and I look around, and I, and I look up, and it's so cloudy, even I can't even see the moon. So I can't see anywhere. I've got this flashlight. And I'm looking around, and I can only see where the beam is. I can't see here. I can't see here. Only where the beam goes can I see. And it's creasing around the fog. And, and, and I start walking. Now, I, I know, I promise, you're gonna, you are going to leave this place. You're going to say, he's a liar. You're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you that happened. You'll say, he lied. He made that up. I promise you, I didn't make it up. I had things shivering on my body I didn't know I had. I was so scared. I, I, later, I, when I finally got home, I told my son, I said, hey, look. I have no ego. I was scared. Look at my eyes. I was afraid. I was afraid for my life. I was having flashbacks from Blair Witch Project. So I'm down. I go down the little hill, and I remember about that time, oh, there's a good wide creek I have to cross, which half the group fell in in the daylight. So I take my stick, and I'm jabbing it on rocks. Is that a rock? Is that an alligator? Yeah, I don't know. Is that a... What is that right there? I jab that stick on the rock to see if it'll move. I put my feet out there. I'm telling you, you're going to say I'm lying. I get out to the middle of that creek, and I'm only 100 feet from the campsite. And I got to go, remember, 1.8 tenths of a mile. And I'm in the middle of that creek, and all of a sudden, I hear, I was raised in the city. I don't know if that's a vampire. I don't know what it is. I'm not from the woods. I don't do well there. And I, I promise, literally, I could feel this uh, uh, earthquake down my back. And I thought, that's it, I'm done. I quit. I'm not, I, I'm not going. I'm not going. And I thought, okay, I'm telling you the truth. I thought, I'm just going to take a couple more steps. And if it sounds like it's coming closer, I'll run back and get in the tent. And so I, I shimmied over to the, uh, uh, I'm getting closer to the other side, closer to the other side, closer to the other side. Finally, I get to the other side, and I start walking up the hill. And the only thing I know how to understand is how far it might be away by its volume. I don't know if you count. I don't, is that lightning or thunder? I don't know. I'm just afraid. So I just go, okay, 
I'm going to walk a little further. And I'm telling you, I can't see my hand in front of my face unless I put the flashlight on it. And I'm in the woods. So I start crunching and crunching and crunching. And one step after another and after another and after another and after another. And then after another, and I'm shining that light around and I hear something. And there's nothing there. And my heart, I, I can feel my heart. I'm thinking, I, be, hopefully I'll have a heart attack and die. I was thinking that would be easier. That would be the quickest way out. I don't want to get eaten. I'd rather just die some other way. I'm sitting there shining that light around with that little stick. You know, my little stick that was a tree a few minutes ago. Kind of hoving through there. And, and, and I could tell I would get off the path because the leaves wouldn't crunch the same. And I'd go, oh, I'd look. I don't know if you've ever been in the woods at night on a cloudy night with no moon and nothing but a flashlight and a stick, but it all looks the same. So I flash around and I realize I'm off the trail. You know how I know the leaves crunch different. I'm becoming like a mountain person. I have no idea what's happening to me. So I kind of crunch back a little bit. Oh, that's the right crunch. As far as I know, I've never been there in my life. I'm 15 miles from anything. Nobody's out there. I'm crunching and I'm crunching and I'm crunching. Then all of a sudden, oh, something I forgot to tell you. Vandals had gone through that part of the woods. If you've ever hiked, they put these little marks on trees to tell you you're going to the right place. Some vandal had come through with the exact same color of spray paint and spray painted 150, 200 trees with those marks. And I'm there and going, and I'm coming through there in the day, I thought, oh, well, that's easy to tell. It's easy to tell when the sun's shining. But I was not shining. I start shining through and I go, they all look the same. So I keep walking through there. And then all of a sudden, I look ahead. You can't imagine how sensitized your senses are. How your ears are straining out for volume. And your eyes are straining forward to see anything that might eat you. And all of a sudden, I look ahead and I go, there's eyes. That's the last thing I want to see in the woods eyes and I thought I heard a noise and I flashed back then I flashed back and it was gone is it running at me is it did it turn away is it going up a tree did it stand up I don't know what it is and I just stand there breathing and I'm going I mean I don't know how far I'm now I set a clock so the alarm would go off after an hour so I thought well if I'm not close to something in an hour something's wrong and, I, and I'm sitting there the clock hadn't gone off yet and I thought I don't I so I just sort of kept easing toward it. Nothing ever happened. Nothing chewed on my leg or ate me or anything like that or jumped out. But I didn't know it wouldn't. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. And then, you, you, I'm telling you, you won't believe it. I'm looking there, and my light starts going, dun, 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 dun. <gasps> no, no, no! I'm beating on the no. This is all I have. God, please. This is all I have. I'm going to have to bank up against a tree and live here till the sun comes up. I start beating that light to death. and it's So I would turn it off and just kind of, I would sort of try to get a distance to a tree and just sort of kind of crunch, crunch, crunch to the tree. Then I'd flip it back on. Flip it back on. Crunch, crunch, crunch to the tree. I'd flip it back on and flip it off. You're laughing. I was almost crying. I was scared to death. Then finally, 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 it started to turn a little gray outside around the canyon walls I had to walk by, cliffs. And I could just sort of see enough. I broke the end of the trail to the gravel road, and I'm telling you, I could have laid down and licked the ground right there. Finally made it to my car, and I won't even tell you about the journey in my car trying to get out in the dirt roads of the Talladega Forest. 
But, but it just did make me think. Have you ever had that feeling of not knowing what you're doing? I can assure you, I will go to great lengths to guarantee I never have that feeling again. It's an awful feeling. It's a terrible feeling. To not know what you're doing, to be lost, to not know what's going to happen to you next. Most of us spend a lot of effort trying to avoid that. This is how I feel about Jesus' words when he says, Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's an interesting way to say that. They don't know what they're doing. These words catch us off guard because if most of us are honest, when it comes to the issues of forgiveness, we don't know what we're doing. We get lost around this issue. Sometimes, sometimes I want mercy for myself, but I don't want mercy for other people. I think we have all felt that way sometimes. Sometimes we want our spouse to forgive us, but we want them to make up for what they did. I think, I think it's human nature to just get lost on the issue of forgiveness. We don't know what we're doing. The words of Jesus are fascinating to me because our instinct is to believe that when he says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, our instinct is to believe that he's talking to the soldiers or he's talking to the religious leaders or he's talking to the crowd or maybe even in some uh, spiritual way, he's even talking to us. But the truth is, he's not talking to any of those people and he's not talking to us. He's talking about us. Now, grant it loud enough for us to hear it because he intended for us to hear it. But he was actually talking to God. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I think there are several misunderstandings about the Easter story that are game changers. And I just want to point out three of them this morning. I, I think we misunderstand our need for forgiveness. Ernest Hemingway wrote a short story called The Capital of the World. In this story, he told about a father and a son who were estranged. The uh, son had wronged the father. And out of shame, he had left. And the father couldn't find him. And so he searched all over Spain looking for him. And finally, in a last-ditch attempt to find his son and to reconcile, he put an ad in the newspaper in Madrid. And the ad read like this, Paco, which was his son's name. Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. On Tuesday at noon, the father arrived at Hotel Montana, and he couldn't believe his eyes. The police had shown up to work crowd control. 800 young men named Paco had arrived, all believing that their fathers had put the ad in the paper wanting to offer forgiveness. Just in case you think that might be a fairy tale. In 2006, Life Church in Oklahoma established a um, temporary website called MySecret.tv for people to anonymously post their own confessions. The first month, the website received 150,000 hits. On the website, you can read anonymous confessions of people who just needed to unload something and didn't have a place to do it. There was the writer who was molested years earlier by their babysitter, and she couldn't forgive herself for failing to protect her younger siblings 
from the same abuse. So she posted there. The father, the businessman, the churchgoer who was having a sexual relationship with another man in his church had nowhere to say it. A young woman who shot an abusive boyfriend while she was high on meth. Then this entry. Years ago I asked my father, how does a daddy justify selling his little girl? He replied, I needed to pay the rent, put food on the table, and I liked having a few coins in my pocket. These are, these are actual uh, posts. Then the, then the last one. I was so afraid my husband would find out I cheated on him with you. When I went to your funeral, I should have felt sad, but I was secretly relieved that you took our secret to the grave. Although everyone hasn't done something on this level, we all have a deep need for forgiveness as humans. Regardless of how well or what you dressed in this morning, my suspicion is, is there's stuff floating around in the room. And that's part of what Resurrection Sunday's about. We misunderstand our need for forgiveness. Here's the second one. We misunderstand how Jesus' death relates to forgiveness. See, Jesus' death was different than anyone else's death in the world. He wasn't a criminal being executed. He wasn't even a martyr who was standing up for what he believed. He was neither of those. Jesus was our sacrifice. He was God. This is God dying. This is God dying. God died. And Jesus died because of those things that people post on the site. Jesus died because of sin. Jesus died because we've all done something wrong. He died instead of us. When sin entered the world, it broke the whole world. And you might look out the window and say, it still looks broken. And it is still broken. So what difference does Jesus' death make after all then? Jesus' death establishes a path to restoration and people take that path one at a time. And restoration happens individually. See, Jesus' death gives him the right to ask God to forgive us. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. No one else has the right to ask the Father to do that because no one else is innocent. Everybody has done something somewhere. Now here's the final misunderstanding. We misunderstand how the resurrection affects forgiveness. See, had Jesus just died and that was it, we could have recorded him alongside of other religious leaders, thousands of them, who taught and died. And that would have been it. And most of Jesus' words would have died with him. But one fact changes everything. One fact makes his words live and it makes his words alive today. One fact changes the way we have to evaluate everything he ever said or did. On Easter Sunday morning, some of Jesus' followers went to his tomb and his body was gone. The Roman government paid the soldiers to lie and to trump up a false eyewitness testimony and say that they stole his body. But to this day, his body's never been found. The dead body of every religious leader in the world has been found but one, and it's Jesus. It's never been found because it's not there. It's not there because he's alive. He walked out of the tomb alive, and he never died again. And some people say, well, his disciples made that up. 
we know we know that the soldiers were paid to make it to make it up that they stole it. Some people say his disciples made it up. They took his body and hid it and made it up. Do you know that almost every one of his disciples lived uh, many years after that, preached, taught, discipled, shared their faith with people, and most of them died for their faith? It doesn't make sense that the majority of the group would have turned around and died if they knew that they hid him. Wouldn't die for a lie. Furthermore, the belief that Jesus is alive has spread throughout the whole world. Today, on every continent, people believe it. There are churches gathered this morning in Europe and South America and China and the Middle East and Africa and India who believe it by most estimations. 2,000 years after Jesus died, 2 billion people on earth believe it. There's now a self-supporting Christian church in every nation on earth. That's never happened in world history before. 2,000 years after he died, his message lives. I wonder how many of you believe that this morning. You believe that he's not there, that he's dead, that he is alive, that his body will never be found. But here's the question. Here's the question. This is the question that we want to answer on Easter Sunday. Why? Why did he walk out? Why is he alive? Why did he come back from the dead? Here's the answer that I'm going to suggest to you this morning. To prove that he had the power to forgive us. If he can be killed, lay dead for three days, and then come back to life, if he can beat death, I'm willing to say he has the power to forgive me of anything I've ever done. In dramatic fashion, he suffered, died, came back from the dead, because he, more than anything else on earth, he wants you and I to believe that he can forgive us. What follows resurrection? Forgiveness. The question this morning is, is have you been forgiven? Have you ever unloaded? Have you ever been forgiven for the things that you've done wrong? Surely there's nobody in the room that's perfect. Surely there's not. Have you ever, have you ever lied? Is there any, anyone in the room that's never told a lie? Maybe one, and you might be lying now. Anyone who's never uh, stolen anything or cheated or taken credit for something that you didn't do or dishonored your parents or used God's name in a useless way or what about internal sins or gluttony or pride or bitterness or unforgiveness or jealousy or anger or maybe you ascribe to the uh, uh, philosophy this morning, I've never done anything to hurt anybody. I've never mistreated anybody. Really? What about yourself? Have you ever mistreated yourself? Have you perfectly managed your own life? Because that's also a sin. What about the category of sins that Jesus talked about here on the cross? The ones that you do and you don't know you're doing them. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They didn't know what they were doing. Have you ever went against God and you didn't know it? You didn't know you were doing it? I really just came this morning to ask you one thing. Have you ever asked God to forgive you? Have you ever asked Jesus to forgive you for the things you've done wrong out there, in here, the ones you didn't even know you were doing? If not, why would you carry that big burden and that weight around in your life? It feels, if life feels heavy, 
If life feels like the weight is stacking up against you, why don't on Easter Sunday morning you just say a simple prayer this morning and ask Jesus to forgive you? You'd be surprised the, the freedom. You'd be surprised the liberty. You'd be surprised the joy that comes with forgiveness. Now, I put in your seat there, uh, you might have thought it was by accident, a little scrap of paper like this. And I want to ask the worship team to come. On this little scrap of paper, I gave it to you, and maybe you'll have to sort of, we gave you a long one, so maybe you'd bend the end in if you want to write something on it that you don't want somebody else to see. I'd like you to write something down in the next three or four minutes that you want God to forgive you of. Don't put your name. You don't have to have any identifying mark. And, and maybe, maybe you're one of those people who say, I don't, I don't know that I have been forgiven. I don't know that God has ever forgiven me before or if I've ever accepted that. Maybe you just want to write everything. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you already have received forgiveness, but you're having trouble letting go of some stuff. I think what Resurrection Sunday means, I think what the resurrection means is that forgiveness is forever. And even as Christians, sometimes we struggle with things that we have asked God to forgive us for, but we have trouble forgiving ourselves. We have trouble letting go. And if that's the case, maybe you say, man, I know I was forgiven of that, but I struggle with guilt. I struggle, I struggle with that memory. I struggle with that. I want you to write that thing down and say, God, today, Resurrection Sunday means I've been forgiven of this. Maybe there's something that you're struggling with in the present. Maybe there's a, a sin or a bondage, an addiction, a cycle you can't get out of. Resurrection means freedom. And I want you just to write that down. Say, God, I, I, want, I, want, I want that to be done today. I want that to be gone today. And when, you, when you write it, you can, just, you can just sort of fold it up or even wad it up in a ball. Maybe today you lived a certain life before you met Jesus and now you live a totally different life and you want to write down what you've been forgiven of and you want to celebrate it today. You just want to say, God, I thank you that I'm not this person anymore. I had no ability to change myself, but you changed me. Luke 24, 46 and 47, Jesus speaking, it says, He told them this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Watch this. And then what happens? Jesus will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And then what happens? This is very important. Then what happens? And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name where? To all nations beginning at Jerusalem. When Jesus was on the cross, His first prayer was for our forgiveness. When He came out of the grave, His message that would be shared with all nations was forgiveness. Today we celebrate Jesus' resurrection and to celebrate resurrection is to celebrate forgiveness. 
So what about you this morning? Has the weight been lifted off your shoulders? What about what you wrote on the paper this morning? Have you been forgiven? Have you been clean? Have you been set free? Have you turned away? turned away from it and turned to Jesus do you still battle with guilt let me, let me give you a, a thought to take home with you this morning resurrection means forgiven free and forever resurrection means forgiven free and forever now what I want you to do this morning is I want you just to take this paper and I want you to crumble it up and I want to ask you to stand with me just a minute we're going to pray I'm going to ask the prayer team if you come this morning join me here this is a powerful moment of freedom and forgiveness in just a minute I'm going to ask you just as a symbolic act to take that piece of paper and I want you just to throw it straight up in the air I want you just to say free forgiven forever just to take that thing that has held you back take that thing that you couldn't get free of take that thing maybe that the enemy keeps reminding you of. take that thing that you battled and guilt over I'm going to ask you just to throw it straight in the air say as far as the east is from the west forgiven done finished over and when we do if you'd like into your heart, if you'd like to ask Christ to forgive you, if you ha- even if you're a believer this morning, you have something weighing in your life and you just say, I want to be free today, what I want you to do is simply step out from where you are, let the prayer team pray with you this morning. We're just going to pray with you. That's it. Maybe this morning you say, I've, I've, I've been battling this thing and I want to be free. If I can't be free on Easter Sunday, there's, I can't think of another day I can I want it over. I want it over. I'm done. Or maybe you say, I want the guilt gone. I know I'm forgiven, but I want the guilt gone. I've been free of it. I've been walking through it. You say, I want forgiveness in my life. Would you just, would you just close your eyes with me? Lord, I thank you today that you have died and sacrificed your son for freedom and forgiveness. And this morning, we receive what you did. This morning, we respond resurrection of Jesus. And today, Lord, we walk in forgiveness and freedom and life. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I want you to throw that thing up in the air. And if you're ready for prayer, I want you to go and let the prayer team pray with you. One, two, I just want you to say forgiven. Three, throw it. Forgiven. Now you come this morning and let us pray with you. Let us pray with you today. Let us just pray with you today. Lord, I thank you this morning for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. Just a minute, we'll let you go. Just a minute. reason you didn't feel comfortable you didn't feel comfortable coming and praying with the prayer team nobody else is looking but but you and me I just want you to lift your hand up and say would you pray with me this morning 
I need forgiveness in my life. I need forgiveness. Would you just lift your hand this morning? And I'll pray with you right where you are. I see your hand in the back. I want to pray with you. I see your hand. Put it right back down. I see your hand. Somebody else. I want, I want, I want God to forgive me today. I want God to forgive me today. Would you just lift a hand? Let me pray with you. I want to pray with you. And then I'm going to give everybody a chance to respond. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming back from the dead. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that you have the power to forgive. And this morning, I want to walk out of this place with guilt gone, with sin gone. Lord, I want to walk out of this place connected to you in relationship with you. God, I invite you into my life this morning to forgive me, to free me. Lord, to to put me in relationship with you forever. God, I trust you for it. I believe you for it. And I thank you for it. I thank you for it. The worship team's going to sing in just a minute. And here's what I want to ask you to do. Before you leave, We have a response card you've heard about. If you'll take a minute and fill that out, the ushers are going to pass you in about three minutes. And they're they're going to take them up. But here's, here's what this is. This gives you an opportunity to respond and let us know. So it doesn't matter if you've been a believer for 20 years or you or you prayed today or you this is your first time here or any it doesn't matter. We'd like everybody to fill this out. Here's why. One of our roles as a church is to minister to the spiritual condition of every person. On Easter morning, we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people come through our service. And the truth is, I can't say that we know how everybody's spiritual life is. But this will give you an opportunity to respond to the resurrection. Here's how I respond. I respond by being a growing Christian. I respond by committing my life to Christ. I respond by renewing my commitment to Christ. I want to be baptized. And there's a blank here that says, I'm not a Christian. And that's okay to say that. If that's where you are, just tell us where you are. Okay? We're not going to harass you or anything like that. We just want to know, how can we do How can we do church? How can we minister to people spiritually? How can we minister to you? That's it. Would you take a minute and fill that out, the worship team? Go ahead and begin to sing. After they sing this song through, when they're done, we're going to receive these. So if you take a minute and fill it out, on the back, it's just got a little more uh, information.